Hello and welcome to episode 113 of the Filmiac Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm the delayed ghost of JR. And uh, this week we're talking <laughs> the delayed ghost of JR's pick, Odd Man Out, directed by Carol Reed from 1947. Yes. 1947, my Criterion Challenge film, number 41. Had to watch it out of order. Didn't like doing that, but <laughs> has to be done. Has to gotta, be done. Got it. Gotta slip the complaint in there. Well, this is Jr.'s way of fucking me over <laughs> multiple times, right? He's he's not only is he not only is he fucking me over by making me watch this film out of order, he's gaming our letterbox roulette system because we know that he's going to be the winner of this this week's letterbox. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, okay. nobody's seen James Mason fucking movies and Cyril Cusack fucking movies and whoever the rest of these people That's- are. No, what, no William Hartnell, first Cures. doctor. We can't get down to Dan O'Hurley. I have seen some of his films. But oh no, he's like number 12 on the list. So, Well, if you had watched my copy of 1984, you would have seen a Cyril Cusack Well, goddammit. <laughs> I'm getting to it. I mean, I've seen... I, he's in my left foot. I saw that. I mean, I've mm. seen 1984 before, so that, I guess I counts. Right, right. Anyway, uh, we're okay. talking Odd Man Out. We're talking uh, other stuff we watched. Got a couple of new releases to talk about. Got a couple of trailers to talk about. Let's get right into it. The big trailer mm-hmm. since last time, Licorice Pizza. Paul Thomas Anderson's follow-up to Phantom Thread. A decidedly more lighthearted affair, although it does star the um, son of deceased great actor Philip Seymour Hoffman. In what I imagine is his first role. I didn't look that up. Mm. I don't know. But uh, what do you guys think of this trailer for Licorice Pizza? <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great, but, <laughs> I, you know, nothing in the trailer got me, like, excited. It, it'll look beautiful. It'll it'll be wonderful. But trailer. Yeah, I feel the same way that it will. I have uh, supreme confidence in Mr. Anderson. But mm. the trailer, actually, some of it rubbed me the wrong way, and the humor beats do not work mm. for me at all. Yeah, like when it got like, I don't know, I don't know exactly how far into the trailer I realized that like when I realized that uh, David Bowie's Life on Mars is basically narrating the trailer, mm. and like it's cut, <laughs> it's literally cut to that that song. I was like, okay, this is a little. Yeah, I'm not into this, but otherwise, I think it's good. And like, uh, <laughs> I found out later that um, Bradley Cooper is playing uh, uh, producer John uh, Peters. Peters. Yeah. yeah, and I just kept thinking of uh, all of Kevin Smith's stories about John Peters. Like, uh, it's like, and that's how he got his start in the business. He used to be Barbara Streisand's hairdresser. Because in Hollywood, you just kind of fail upwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, like I say. I mean, I think that I think you know, I, I'm excited to see PTA get back to uh, the '70s and uh, San Fernando Valley and all that stuff. I think that's interesting. And I mean, we're we're kind of uh, you know tiptoeing around the uh, the elephant in the room, which is that Kevin hates Paul Thomas Anderson and doesn't think any of his movies are good. So. <laughs> He oh, obviously well. will. I mean, I think two of them are good. Oh, do you? <laughs> I always block that out. Yeah. Which ones? Uh, I. Uh, there will be blood. Uh, oh, yeah. that that was worthy of a blog post where you were like, 
like stop the presses kevin oh, yeah. likes a pta See, I, don't remember, I don't remember these things you do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else what other one but uh I mean, I liked Phantom Thread. Gave that like a four and a half. All right, cool. All right, so you're into uh, you're yeah. into the newer stuff, except you hated the master, but that's okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and we'll probably see. Inherent Vice also. Oh right, Inherent Vice. Oh yeah, it, it, that's a that's a very uh, that's well, a difficult I, I, one. I, I was gonna say even even among PTA heads, I don't think I'm alone in thinking Inherent Vice has uh, problems. No, I I don't. I didn't like it. I, I'm curious to watch it again. Me too. I actually tried I to watch, watch it again, again and only made it halfway through and, and never got back to it. <laughs> <laughs> that was like two or three years ago, though, so I really need to give it another shot. I also am not... I thought the... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I said I was going to say, I thought the elephant in the room was going to be the uh, the heim of it all with our <laughs> oh, yeah. seemingly main character being a uh, like a current pop rock star. And uh, oh, apparently, yeah. one of the other sisters is in it too. She's in the uh, credits here on Letterboxd. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Mm. Did, did he didn't put in all three? Like, <laughs> there's just one left out. I don't know. I guess it says Elena. That'd be Haim insane. And Esty Haim or Haim? You said Haim. I don't know what it is. Is it Haim or Haim? I, don't know. I think it's Haim. Haim. Okay, whatever. Esty Heim. Um, I don't know this band. I mean, I know who they are. He did a video for them or a couple of videos. I don't. I don't listen to their music. Yeah, more than one. I mm. like. Uh, I like some of their music, and I like them in general as like a sort of fringe celebrity personalities. But uh, can they act? We don't know. She seems like she's doing a fine job in the trailer. Elena. I mean, the Elena Heim girl or Heim girl. She's definitely got the '70s look, like the like her facial structure is very unusual, you know, for like a like mm. an act like a lead yes. actress in a film. It's good, I like it. And her nipple is just, exposed, and like, well, not exposed, but like poking through her T-shirt. Like it's not. It seems like an obvious choice to have her in this. She's not provocative at all, but like her nipples are really showing through this T-shirt. It's really <laughs> bizarre for mm. a you know like a mainstream I, movie poster. I don't know. That's not about yeah. you know I just, sexual uh, getting people excited. Well, yeah, I know you guys love Tom Waits in the trailer, right? As the oh yeah, oh god, director. Yeah, the oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as he showed up, I I clicked clicked back into attention. You know, a whole like <laughs> six to midnight situation. I was I was ready. Um, I'll tell you the thing that made me that made that gave me that excitement was seeing Benny Safdie, even for the split second that he was in the trailer. I, I want to yeah, see yeah. Benny Safdie act some more, man. That guy is a fucking master. <laughs> and I also, yeah. uh, but I, I don't feel the same way about um, Maya Rudolph. I don't like her being in it. I didn't like her in Inherent Vice, but mm. feels, <laughs> it just feels nepotistic. The, I don't, I don't like it. Well. <laughs> the whole this whole thing is nepotistic. The, he How so? he knows the Heim sisters' parents. Like he knows their parents. Like yeah, like like the he directs the videos for the Heim girls because he's family friends with them. Oh, I don't. Okay, I don't, oh, I don't know that. Like you act like, you act like yeah, common this, knowledge. <laughs> you should just know that. Right. This is common. This is common Heim knowledge. <laughs> common Heim, it's in the liner notes of one of their albums. Even though you like some of their music, right? What? Well, yeah, I do. You seem like right. a massive fan, <laughs> bud. You seem like a fan. There bud. are there yeah. are a, a few songs like uh, yeah. from each of their three albums that I think are very good, and oh. then the rest kind ah. of just kind of float by me. I don't know. 
Also, uh, oh. there's two <laughs> actors who aren't in the trailer. Ben Stiller and John C. Riley are in this movie, apparently. So, oh, oh, I take it oh, back. Was, Danielle uh, Heim also in the film. I missed her name. It's right oh. there. There we go. I I couldn't believe he was gonna do her dirty like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, licorice mm. pizza. Is what Sean do you guys Penn think? in the trailer? Do what? I can't remember. Is Sean Penn in the trailer? I can't yeah, he is a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. He rides on the motorcycle okay. at the end. Another one of the moments that I'm not thrilled about in the trailer. Mm. But um, you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, what do you guys think of the of the uh, title, Licorice Pizza? I mean, we knew the title, but like, I don't think we talked about it on the show. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. It's uh, slang for record I, album. Oh, apparently. Huh. Huh. I didn't know that before okay. I heard it, but yeah, it's like yeah, I mean, black pizza record, like a black vinyl. Right. I don't know. You know, it's fine, <laughs> I guess. I think it's a little yeah. weird looking, weird to say, but you know, whatever. Yeah. It might fit the movie really well. Who knows? I thought Phantom Thread was kind of lame when I first heard it, but mm. I still don't know what it means, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um anyway all right well uh the other trailer that dropped today actually was uh sean baker his new film red rocket he directed um tangerine and the florida project and as uh kevin mm-hmm. said in the text this is one's gonna have uh park just creaming his jeans i don't, I don't really know uh, about that 100%. actually though because there's no there's no like pretty meth head girl in this one that seems to be what turns him on about uh, uh Florida projects uh, <laughs> is there a pretty meth yeah, head girl uh, well, in this? i don't know <laughs> uh, there's gotta be i mean right? his his wife i guess is like fills that role the yeah. guy the lead actor's yeah wife. i mean but um yeah I don't know. it seems to star sort of unknowns too like i don't know who this simon rex character is he's been in some movies maybe he's an actual porn star no, he's been in uh, he's been in all the scary movies or three, four, and five, and he is also in Shriek. Oh. If you know what I did last Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, uh, he seems okay. to be a, a classic. He, he might be a stand-up comedian. Oh, he is a stand-up comedian. Oh, and television host and recording artist. So maybe this cool. will be a breakout for him as an actor because he seems to. Uh, I don't know the the the, the little. St- whatever they call them the um what do they call those like slug lines or something like the thing when they have like a like a line from a review in the trailer do they have a name for that blurbs blurbs you're a blurb check out the cover right <laughs> Seinfeld <laughs> references. sorry um yeah, yeah like jeans trash <laughs> maybe the uh the the blurb uh uh in the trailer was saying how good he is in the movie i don't know but uh, what oh, do right, you guys right, think right. of this uh, this trailer for Red Rocket? I think it's a movie that I'm not going to see. <laughs> oh. Whoa. I don't know. It, it did it did nothing for me. Oh, that's too bad. And especially like like the way the way the trailer is constructed, it's like it's definitely like A24's. You know, like oh, we got a we got an Oscar contender drama here. <laughs> So I'm I'm just I'm not into it. I know the uh, the last time Sean Baker dealt with the porn industry, it was very not Oscar friendly. But mm. I did not watch this trailer, so I don't know about the vibes <laughs> in this one. You gotta love it because Jr. is the one who said literally in the text, "I will watch that." 
Yeah. Yeah. And then he's um, the only one who doesn't want and, it. Yeah. And that became a lie. And mm-hmm. I didn't mean for it to become a lie, but it did. Mm. That's no big deal, man. I think yeah, that Red Rocket looks. I, I, I don't know. I like the trailer. I think it looks good. I like Sean Baker. I think his. I dig his, his, his aesthetic on film. I don't love the way Tangerine looks. I respect what he was doing with Tangerine. I think it's like a sort of a um, innovation or an innovative sort, of almost like a um, zeitgeisty, almost I guess you know, it, or it mm. would be if more people were shooting on phones. But um, mm. you know, I thought it was impressive, and I think the Florida Project looks amazing uh, visually. Whatever, you just want him to friend you back on Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tag him in uh in my review of this film and tell yeah, and yeah. include a link to the Filmiac website, filmiacpodcast.com. Um no, but I yeah. think this one looks looks uh nice also and it's um I don't know, it just seems overly like more comedic to me than uh than drama mm. related, but I mean it's definitely got some dramatic elements in it. I like the idea of like mm. A, a male porn star being the center of a film. That's an interesting idea. I don't think I've seen very much. Uh, what about Bucky Larson? <laughs> uh, I don't, is he a porn star? Isn't he a, ch- isn't it Bucky Larson? Isn't he a child star in that? Oh, I don't, I haven't seen it. I think he becomes a porn star though. Oh, I was the only thing I can think of that has this, that has a, the lead is a male porn star would be Wonderland. The uh, Val Kilmer vehicle, where he plays mm. John Holmes, is what about Boogie the, Nights? Oh, and Boogie Nights, of course, yes, Boogie Nights. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Boogie Nights is not, but that's talking um, about the elephant in the room. No, sure, sure, sure. But and and Boogie Nights has a lot in common with with Wonderland. These movie, this movie doesn't seem like either of those mm. movies. I mean, this movie's not about him doing oh, porn, right. right? It's about him coming back home, mm. uh, right, from right, being right. in the porn industry. So kind of interesting. Is is the Paul Schrader movie? Is it the, like the canyon or the Canyonlands? Canyons, the, the canyons. That, okay, the mm. one that stars the porn star is yeah, that about no, the porn no, industry? No, it's not about. No, it's no. Okay. You haven't seen the canyons? No, should I? Um, it's not That's good, no. but like it's no. definitely like an oddity in how, like, okay. sort of some of the choices that Schrader makes, and especially the choices that the actors make, and. Just like sort of how bad they are is interesting, I guess. Um, mm. And and uh, Lindsay Lohan's naked a lot in it, so if that does it for you, then there's that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The king, okay, I don't know. Who cares? I I actually was interested a, a, a while ago, a few years ago. There was an article where they were interviewing Soderbergh, and Soderbergh said they asked him about the canyons and if he had seen it, and he said that that he wished Schrader would give him the film for 24 hours and let him recut it. And he could fix mm. it. And Schrader was offended by this. Apparently, he was like, "You well, like you could recut it in twenty four hours and fix my fucking movie and <laughs> like that kind of thing." So, but I wish he would. That'd be really cool to see. You know, Soderbergh, yeah, cut actually, of the canyons. I'd watch that. But um, who knows? Uh, anyways, Red Rocket coming out this year. Apparently, just a twenty twenty one release. I don't know. Um, maybe you're right, Kevin. Maybe it'll be. Oscar season. I don't. I don't see this movie getting Oscar attention personally, but it feels more like it'll get an Independent Spirit Award nomination or something. Uh, it's got yeah, no yeah, actors in it. I mean, this, at least his last movie had uh, Willem Dafoe, who got the Oscar nom for it. You know. Yeah, yeah. 
But this movie has nobody in it that I recognize. Mm. Anyway. So those are the trailers. Mm. There were no other trailers, right? That was it, right? Pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's get yeah, into what yeah. we watched. Let's talk uh let's talk some movies. What do you got? Mm. What do you hear? What do you say? I'll uh I'll start this time because uh, I finally I finally got around to rounding out all of the Mission Impossible movies. And uh all of them are okay. <laughs> They're all of, all of them are entirely too long. There's no reason for them to be as long as they are. The first one is the shortest at like an hour 50. Mm. But, um, and like, like I said in my review for, uh, Mission Impossible 3, it's like, I don't, I don't remember the last movie that I saw Philip Seymour Hoffman in before this. I, I guess it had been like a long time, but like, he's like the, like, he goes so hard in this, in this movie, like his chops are just off the chain <laughs> and it's like, Dude, like you did not, you didn't ha- like. He is doing this movie so much more justice than it deserves, and like, yeah, it's a piece of shit. He's like, he's definitely the uh, it, the highlight of it for sure. Yeah, the, the yeah, villain he, the villain's like inherently uninteresting, if I remember correctly. Like he's, I mean, Hoffman's pretty good, much, but the villain's not. Yeah, That's like fair. if it was anybody else playing him, it would be one hundred percent shit. But because it's Hoffman, like he's he's elevating material that doesn't deserve to be elevated. Classic Hoffman, like, exactly. Just like he did in like, Hunger uh, Games. Oh yeah, I didn't see those <laughs> movies, but I'm sure they're bad, and he's probably great in them. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, the my my personal favorite for sure is the first one, uh, followed by uh, Fallout, which. I I was really close to giving it a four, but the over two hour runtime is just like no, this is too much. I think I hate the inclusion of um, anything with his wife uh, Monahan or Michelle Monahan. I can't yes. stand her as an actress. I don't like her in in anything, and I really hate the character in these movies. She's just completely useless, and uh, mm. I don't believe for a second that she and Tom Cruise are married. Like it just makes no sense to me. I don't. They have no chemistry together. Yeah. Whereas in the first yeah. film, it's weird because it's like Tom Tom Cruise has metamorphosized into like asexual action star. Whereas like in the ni- in mm. the eighties and nineties, he was like a sex symbol, you know. And like he right. and like in the in the first film, even though there is no romantic, really like a romance romance angle in it, really, but the the John Voight's uh, wife in that film. Mm. Who's played by? You remember her name? I don't remember. Anyways, but that that lady, em- Emmanuel something yeah, or other, this beautiful woman. Uh, there, you see, there's like sexual tension between Tom Cruise and her throughout the film, and I can't even imagine Tom Cruise having sexual tension with anybody now. It's like totally like bizarre and foreign. Yeah. So, it's just stupid that he has a wife or an ex-wife or whatever it is in the in Fallout. But I do like Fallout. Yeah. Isn't it the? Uh, and, uh, doesn't this come from the third movie? Yeah, it is. The Monahan thing? Because doesn't mm-hmm. he, yeah, he, like, marries her and stops being a spy for a little while? Yeah. And Aaron Paul is in the third one, in that, at their house party. 
Yeah, that's right. It's like a line or two. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Renner, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, I thought I thought his character his character was probably the. Which one was he in? He was in um, not Rogue Nation, uh, one before that, Ghost Protocol. Oh yeah, yeah, Ghost no. Protocol. He's in Rogue he Nation went, also, no. but he's barely in it. Yeah, in a yeah, in like a s- smaller role, yeah. like, but uh, yeah, he was the most interesting part of Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm. Like, I like what they did with that character, like, um, making him like making him an interesting, like, mysterious figure, and then not making him the villain at the end, like, was was nice he he was supposed Um, to be the successor right like he was supposed to take over the franchise from tom cruise uh (laughs) just like he was supposed to take over the born franchise for matt damon right and this is a hilarious career where he keeps getting like Mm. hired as a successor and then he keeps getting jay lenoed yeah yeah basically or conan o'brien Yeah, depending on what right what perspective. Uh, you're sorry, from. people keep yeah. Jay Lenoing him. Oh right, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Tom Cruise cannot do these. Somebody's films not forever. on Team Coco. Right, Tom Cruise is going to be in his sixties soon. Isn't that right? Isn't he in like his late fifties, or am I mistaken? Is he just turned fifty? I I He's think you're right. Be. But um, like he can't do him forever, right? So I mean, somebody's going to have mm. to take over the action mantle. And if he want, if he wants to, he's a producer, obviously. So he wants to keep the franchise yeah. going, probably. So he probably will get somebody to replace him. I don't know that it'll be Jeremy Renner at this point. Yeah, um, it's like well, uh, he's he's you know, got lately, Hawkeye now, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's got a television show. And it's like Hawkeye, right? Yeah, yeah. And like lately, they've been, uh, you know, there's been all this talk about, you know, who's going to be the next Bond, um, and like I. Like they were, they were talking about Idris Elba being the next Bond like five years ago, and five years ago I was like, Idris Elba deserves better hmm. than uh, <laughs> than a washed up franchise. So um, we should give it to. He's Renner. also like, yes, <laughs> Bond to Renner. <laughs> yes. That's, yes, exactly. It's very uh, out, outside the box casting. Yeah, he just he just does hmm. his uh, the town accent. Right. Uh, for Bond, that'd be great. <laughs> Sean, Tom Cruise is 59. So. Damn. It's It might be getting getting to be time there, bud. I mean, he still looks good and everything, but. Yeah, I mean. And obviously, 60 is the new 40. Liam Neeson proves that. But. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. He's getting a little, a little long in the tooth yeah. there, Tommy. Yeah. <sighs> but, uh, yeah. They're they're all they're all for sure watchable. Uh, the first one is definitely number one. Fallout is definitely number two. The rest uh, rest you can probably give a miss. Just uh, as John would say, YouTube uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's scenes from MI three. Yeah, I mean, that's you know that's fine. I would uh, yeah. I would definitely skip. I would I would encourage people to skip two and three to never watch those. But absolutely, you know, uh, one is I think one is great. I think Fallout is mm. really good, and I think uh, Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation have great moments, and they're fun to watch. So they're just good popcorn yeah. trash to put on, you know, and sort of ignore. You know, put them on. Yeah. It's literally the best franchise of all time. <laughs> yeah, the best franchise and, uh, of all time. <laughs> Might be a little extreme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, um, what one last thing I'll say. Um, 
Like I'm sure I'm sure you can count on one hand the amount of times uh, Vanessa Kirby blinks in Fallout. Oh yeah, like the entire movie she's just staring. Who's Vanessa Kirby? Like, and it's like a hard like it's like a hard stare too. In Fallout, eh? Uh huh. Vanessa Kirby was nominated for an Oscar last year, dude. Was she? Who? Okay, I have no. Piece. I mean, pieces I'm, of a woman. Pieces of a woman. What? Oh my god. Oh, the the Netflix movie. The fuck yeah, are the, you talking about? The, the miscarriage movie. Oh, oh, with oh. Uh, Shia. Yeah. I didn't watch that trash. Man. She's in the she's in the Fast and Furious franchise. She's in Fallout. Oh, now we see. Yeah, she's the White Widow. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I don't mean. I'm, you know, I have no idea who this woman is. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. I like the I, scene when he when he meets I, her because he stabs those guys those bodyguards like really kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. I, I like. Uh, I think Vanessa Kirby is oh, a yeah. welcome presence in almost everything. Of course. I, I like uh, Rebecca okay. Ferguson <laughs> in the movie. She's great. I agree, oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I even liked Alec Baldwin. Like, I thought he was really, for the character that he was doing, he was really yeah. good. I like Sean Harris, too, in this movie. I don't like Sean Harris in Rogue Nation. But when he's in this movie no. with the beard, he's awesome. And I love when he yeah, kicks yeah. the shit out of Simon Pegg at the end. Yeah. Do you... Sorry, in the end of Fallout. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you think, um, oh my, well, I just forgot his fucking name. Uh, Christoph, um, Christoph Waltz. Waltz? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you think he's going to jump franchises? No, no, no. I I was wondering, (laughs) do you think he'll be better in No Time to Die than he was in Spectre? I think he'll have one scene in No Time to Die and it'll probably suck and No Time to Die is going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I'm just kidding. It probably will. I mean, yeah. I have a little bit of faith because it's uh, Fukunaga directing, and I think that he has yeah, yeah. a better track record at this point than Sam Mendes does. But it, absolutely, it's not. He's he's still he's not one of you know he's not a great filmmaker or anything in my opinion. So I, I'm not I'm not holding out hope. And uh, the thing looks just like Spectre. I don't see much of a difference. Yeah, I, mean, I don't like it. Rami Malek. So yeah, like I I, I think uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an instance where like you know. Oh, Kenneth Branagh did Thor. It's like, okay, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, like, yeah, like I still think like uh, Taika Waititi is the close. He's the closest person who's gotten like anything like sort of different into the Marvel uh, cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, but yeah, like Fukunaga is like you know. Because they brought him in as like a replacement for whoever Danny was going to do it. Danny Boyle would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. If he had directed, I'd be yeah. very excited. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, with hold, hold, hold yeah, Fukunaga doesn't have the weight of <laughs> Jared, uh, of a filmography hold, hold to throw around hold to on. be like, I want to do this. Hear me out. Lay it on me, bud. Hear me out. Do it. Mm. Barbara Broccoli decides she wants Boston Jeremy Renner directed. <laughs> By Taika Waititi. Who's Barbara Broccoli? <laughs> what? The Broccoli... What the fucking Broccoli family that produces the Bond movies? <laughs> the oh Broccoli God. family? What the fuck are you talking about? Have you, you ever seen... The, the first name you see on every single Bond movie is like 
Albert Broccoli. This and guy then acts like you should know who the Broccoli, Broccoli family is. I don't have. I've never heard of these things you're oh. talking about today. Vanessa Kirby, the Broccoli family. Sounds Look, like fucking sounds made take up. Away TD, <laughs> take away TD. Take away TD directing Austin Jeremy Renner as the new New Zealand Bond. New that Zealand sounds Bond. <laughs> that sounds like he's from Boston. Yes. Have you guys seen? I, we, me and uh, me and uh, a friend of mine used to. Uh, Send these clips back and forth from the town when uh, Jeremy Renner is talking about uh, Brendan Leahy, <laughs> and he says he's like he's like I heard Brendan Leahy was coming up here to roll on you with a Glock twenty one, so I came over here and I put him in the ground. <laughs> he says, <laughs> he says, I put him in the ground. He's just he's the worst, and he got an Oscar nomination for that. I'm pretty sure, or at least Golden Globe. I know he got nominated. He's embarrassing. Like I, I think he got the an Oscar now. I think he sure did too. Right. It's so bad. <laughs> he's not even, and he's uh, not even the worst actor in that movie. So it's really, it's saying something. I mean, are you are you talking about John Hamm or Blake Lively? I'm talking about John Hamm. John Hamm is okay. awful, atrocious in the town. It's embarrassing. Mm. John Hamm needs to stop <clears throat> being cops. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, we're we're so far off subject. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So the Mission well, Fallout Impossible. is the best Mission Impossible movie, but I never heard of this Vanessa Kirby. Right. Yeah. Frankly, it sounds made up. It does. It does sound made up. That's <laughs> more Seinfeld references. Yes. Well, we are just. <laughs> I mean, I have not heard of his Vanessa Kirby, but you okay. know, that's fine. Jared's dog starts barking. Okay, well, I'll go next. Um, I uh, I watched a movie called. uh, Wait a minute, the card counter. I'm just gonna jump right to the card counter, (laughs) which is uh, uh, the new film from Paul Schrader, who we just mentioned uh, a few moments Mm -hmm. ago. He made the canyons. the Card Counter stars Oscar Isaac as a card counter, a man who, although that's a little misleading, he's he's really not a card. I mean, he's a card counter, but that's not really his main deal in this movie. Like mm. the the first um, maybe ten minutes of this movie is like Oscar Isaac explaining to the audience how to count cards, which is actually pretty cool and a little YouTube videoy, but kind of interesting, you know. And they uh, have some graphics on the screen and stuff, some stuff that you don't see Schrader doing a whole lot. And uh, he's talking about, you know, with Blackjack, you count the cards and you give them numeric values and it's how you determine how what's left and all this kind of stuff. But then he spends the entire movie playing poker after that and he does not count cards at all, which is kind of weird. But then again, it's not about the cards anyway. It's about his character, William Tell. <laughs> William what? <laughs> his name's no. William. It's not his real name. He... <laughs> Yeah. His name's not really William. I mean, his name's William Tell, but he he, he changed it from uh from no, uh. It's, it's like it was like William Tillock or something or Tillock Tillock or something, and he changed it to sort of like disappear from his old life. And his old life, he was a uh, an army soldier who was at like um, Abu Ghraib and like torturing prisoners and stuff, and. Uh, but now he's like this uh really like he's disturbed by what he what he's done and it's got it's it's classic schrader you know it's uh oscar isaac in a bare room a bare hotel room 
writing in a journal about his feelings and uh, what he plans to do. And, you know, it's it's like things you've seen in lots of other Schrader films, which I don't get tired of personally. I kind of like that. I like that Schrader has that sort of through line through a lot of his work. But, but um, you know, it's very, like, Bersonian and, uh, <laughs> I mean... There's there's a couple of weird things that don't really get explained, like that the fact that he he like carries around a suitcase full of sheets with him everywhere he goes, and every hotel room he goes to, he like it wraps the entire room in sheets. And they never really explain why he does that, and I guess maybe you're just supposed to know it's like related to the trauma that he's experienced, but I don't understand how it helps him in the trauma. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but he like has like twine. He like wraps everything in, in sheets, and he like ties it with twine. They never explain why. Hmm. Um, but Tiffany Haddish is in this movie and uh, you know we were talking a moment ago about how John Hamm is the weakest part of the town Tiffany Haddish is the weak link here she cannot act her way out of a paper bag she's awful uh, <clears throat> unfortunately I mean I don't want to dislike this woman I think she's good in um, bad trip you know as the uh, sort of angry comedic villain of that film but in this movie she's attempting to be serious and there's a weird love story between her and Oscar Isaac which I don't really buy and uh, Ty Sheridan's in this he's okay he's you know he's trying and uh, Willem Dafoe of course the great Mm. you know the most reliable actor in Hollywood Willem Dafoe he doesn't put in a bad performance you know He's, he's not in it that much but overall I enjoyed it it's not amazing. Didn't blow my mind, uh, but I certainly would watch it again. And I, you know, I I think that Schrader, for me, Schrader has a lot to live up to with his follow up to First Reformed. I thought First Reformed was like his one of his masterpieces, and uh, I mean, probably his his directorial masterpiece, in my opinion. I know that that's controversial because people love Mishima, but uh, the Card Counter is not nearly in that. It's not in that realm, but it's certainly a, a you know enjoyable enough thriller, if that's what it is. I don't even know if it's a thriller. It's hard to say. Anyway, uh, yeah, card counter three and a half. Jr. Oh. Cool. I uh, I watched a bunch of crap from uh, 2021, and um, most of it isn't worth talking about. But I uh, you know checked out the eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, mm just to, to see if there was a good performance in there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there is. I I would not watch that movie. Um, mm. Not that it's awful so much as just like, it's it's nothing. It's just nothing. Um, I thought uh, I thought Joe Carnahan's latest uh, crime epic might be good. I didn't, I didn't actually think that. Cop Shop. But, yeah, uh, why did you watch, watch Cop anyway. Shop? I was going to ask you. I remember seeing you log in. I was like, <laughs> why did he watch Cop Shop? Such a weird choice. Uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just such a Frank Grillo head, you know? Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not at all. Uh, and actually, I would. he's really bad yeah. in this. And yeah. his hair is really bad in this. Um, you did Cop watch- Shop is not good, but the, the, the last... 40 minutes are better than the first 40 minutes. All right. Well, that's something, I guess. You did watch the other Frank Grillo movie, didn't you? The Groundhog Day action one? Didn't you watch that? Uh, No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I could have sworn. I think... Hmm. I 
I watched like three or four of those groundhog type movies yeah. in like a couple months, but that was not one of them. Uh, and I can't remember the name of it. It's got Mel Gibson in it. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. I mm. saw a clip from it the other day on YouTube, and it was ridiculous. It was it was you know, it you know. was the closest thing to Groundhog Day I've seen in one of those type of movies. Like it was like he had memorized everything that was going to happen in this action sequence. So he was like he was like the Matrix, you know, just like walking through the scene because he knew every like where every bullet was going to hit and things like that. But anyway. Well, now I want, now I want to fire it up, but my internet's <laughs> not working very well. So Go for it, man, oh, well. do it. But no, so uh, this is in 2021. But I also, you know, after the the passing of Norm Macdonald a couple mm. weeks ago, um, I decided to watch Dirty Work. I knew that I had seen this as a child, but did not remember anything about it, and. I don't think that watching Dirty Work is a great way to remember Norm Macdonald. Mm. It's uh, I was like trying to like watch it and take notes on it, and I just got kind of bored and just started writing down uh, the ridiculous uh, songs on the soundtrack, uh, like "Semi Charm Life" by Third Eye Blind, "Good" by Better Than Ezra, uh, Baton Rouge represent, uh, "Tub Thumping" by Chumbawamba. Uh, a, a Nimrod era Green Day song, some ACDC, ACDC, and then I got bored with doing that. So uh, I, I don't know. I I found nothing in Dirty Work funny, and I felt really bad not thinking anything was funny. You should uh, instead just you should well you know ob- everybody says this, but it's true. You just watch his clips on talk shows on YouTube. I mean those are those are mm. killer. Yeah. <clears throat> I, d- I did some of that too. Yeah. I do that. I was doing that, that was, anyway, that like almost every day <laughs> before he died. Like I literally half my feed is stern and the other half of my feed on, on YouTube that is, is, uh, is, is clips of his talk show. And now it's like really fucking bad because they must've uploaded 2 million of them since like 2 million new mm. ones since he died. But, um, also check out beer league, you know, cause it's got Artie in it from, yeah. <laughs> I remember you talking about Beer League. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, and it's at least R-rated, so you get some good, you know, cursing and stuff. I liked, uh, I did see, I recently I watched the scene from Dirty Work on YouTube with um, Don Rickles, where he's the manager of the theater. Yeah. That's a funny scene. Mm. No good? I did not find it funny. I oh. understood why some people would find it funny. I, found, I find it funny. <laughs> he says the move to the mountains is stop like, bothering people. <laughs> Don Rickles. He's got his moments. I don't know. That the movie that that scene in the movie is just so weird. Like cuz cuz every scene in that movie is weird because they don't feel like scenes in a narrative. They're just like little ideas for scenes. Right. Um, mm. But yeah, whatever. That's well, you get somebody like Norm, I, and I know people love this movie, starring in a movie, and then you get Bob Saget to direct it. I mean, what do you, you know? It's like, how good could it be? <laughs> I don't know. Should Maybe I watch? A, uh, should I watch Screwed? Is that Bob Saget also? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's it's Norm Macdonald. No, right? I know. I never saw uh, Screwed. I don't know. Mm. We watched Dirty Work when I was a kid. I don't remember us watching Screwed. That's Danny DeVito, right? And like Martin Lawrence is in that or anything? 
or uh, Dave Chappelle. No, I don't even somebody. know. One of those guys. Anyway, uh, Kevin, what do you got? Uh, so, unfortunately, the only Criterion uh, challenge thing that I did this go around was I finally got around to rewatching Straw Dogs, and I don't remember how long it's actually been since I've seen a Peck and Paw movie, but I just Peck and Paw is just not for me. I just I I don't know what it what exactly it is about his movies, but I they just do so little for me mm. and um uh, like especially especially his use of uh slow-mo to like i don't know highlight action or what whatever he's trying to do with it it's just to me it's just like nah man you're you're trying to make this like so overly dramatic and it's just not working for me uh and yeah like i you know i expected <clears throat> expected a little more out of uh, a Hoffman performance, but like, like pretty much none of the characters in it are, um, are, are likable. I mean, I hate to say, I hate to say that about a character who gets raped twice in within like 10 minutes, but I mean, (laughs) uh, it, it, I agree. The characters are unlikable. I agree with you there. Yeah, but I think I, I, just, I think Hoffman's performance is good though. I I I really liked Hoffman, especially at the end when he decides to sort of take a stand, you know. And yeah, it's very like I, mean, I will not allow violence against this house. Like all that stuff. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just it's no marathon, man. Eh. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, you know, a- absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, uh, I, 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 and, no. Seriously, it's not it's not as good as that movie. But I, I it, no. this is probably my favorite Peck and Paul movie. If I'm being honest, I can't. Oh, I mean, okay. I don't. I don't oh, shit. And I don't love it. But it's it's. Uh, I mean, out of the I've only seen a handful of his films. Maybe seen four or five of his films. But out of those four or five, mm. this would be top of the list for me. I'm not as. I, right. I know a lot of people like worship the Wild Bunch for some reason, but it just I don't know. I mean, it's not. A, yeah. It's just I love the violence in the Wild Bunch, but other than that. I find the rest of it kind of tedious. Yeah, and I mean, I I really I wanted to like uh, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia, but like, yeah, that's like, a tough one too. I, you know, it's just like it's yeah, so like, it's really I, slow. Yeah, and like you know, I you know, it, Warren Oates, like one yeah. of, one of my all time favorite actors. Like, like there was there was a there was a point where like didn't matter like what shitty 70s or 80s movie he was in like i was gonna watch it because it had warren oats mm. but uh yeah it um didn't do anything for me like i do want to watch uh cross of iron yeah me too that's on my list um but i i love yeah, that but, one you should, but, uh, you should have made I, us watch that man why isn't that your deep dive <laughs> jr yeah it's on, watching it's on the odd list. man out for god's sake okay <laughs> yeah but uh, but yeah. Other than that, I think I'll probably be done with uh, Peck and Paw and just like when I when I want when I want Peck and Paw, like I'll just look up um the Monty Python sketch uh, Sam Peck and Paw's Salad Days. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, this is um. I take it back. Straw Dogs is not at the top of my list. Oh, okay. The Getaway is at the top of my list. I love oh. the getaway. I actually really like the getaway a lot. Okay. 
I like all of his movies. Uh, I remember loving Straw Dogs. It used to be in my top 10 of all time. Uh, I doubt it would be there now. Yeah, that seems extreme. Uh, <laughs> it does. It does. It really does. Yeah. I, I mean, I liked... I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I didn't really. I don't know. Pat Billy, Pat Garrett, and Billy the Kid was okay. I guess. Mm. Like I keep thinking, like you know, there there's certain directors, you know, like um, Aronofsky is one of them. Um, you know, like uh, you know, it's just like, uh, this is crap. This is crap. This is crap. But then, like, I watch The Fountain, and it's fucking amazing. Like, it blows yeah. me. It blows me away. And then like, I, but then I watch, then I keep watching his other stuff. It's like, nah, the rest of the stuff is trash. You should and, like, ouch. you should try try the more lighthearted stuff. Like, I would try the Getaway, uh, and I would try the Ballad of County Ho- uh, of Cable Hogue, just because it's such a different tone for than what he's going mm. for with his violent stuff. Um, okay, and the Getaway is good See, because I, it has the violence in it, but it's. I would say it's like more just like a, uh, it's like a, just a traditional crime movie, and oh. it's yeah. uh, a lot of fun. And Steve McQueen rules. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I think the, there is some. Yeah, I don't know. I, try, try the Sam Peckinpah having fun movies, just or try one of them, and then if you still hate that, you can yell at us. Okay. Well, well, I just looked up. Uh, I just looked it up on Letterboxd, and it's. Uh, I, I it looks like it's based on the novel by Jim Thompson. So, I will Bingo. definitely give this a shot because Jim Thompson. If you haven't read The Killer Inside Me, you're missing out on a brilliant novel. Dude, I saw the Casey Affleck film. I'm good. It's awesome. I love it. No, I'm just kidding. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like there's there's also a version where Stacy Keach plays uh, yeah, Casey the seven, Affleck's in role. Yeah, the 70s. Yeah. I, I yeah. But like, uh, uh, I, I haven't been able to find it, but I've also heard that it's like really bad. So I don't know. JR, I was just looking at Peck and Paw's filmography. This movie, Ride the High Country, which is in my watch list, uh, but it's got Randolph Scott in it. So I got to see this thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> You do, yeah. I'm thinking I'm gonna rent it tomorrow do. on YouTube. It's uh, you definitely have to see the movie from a director you kind of like with an actor you definitely hate. I don't hate him. <laughs> I just don't think he's a good actor. But I, you know, I'm interested to well, see yeah. his other stuff. Like he's in a um, I actually added a couple of films uh of his to my watch list because he's done some stuff with some other directors that I want to see, and I. Don't know what they are at the top of my head, but oh, like Andre de Toth, he did Riding Shotgun with Andre de Toth, the guy who did um that movie you gave five stars to. I can't fucking remember what it's called now. Yellow Day, Sky. Day of the Outlaw. Oh, so you know, kind of want to see that. Hmm. Anyway, and he did another one with um Bedeker called Westbound. That's not on the Criterion Channel, which is only sixty nine minutes. You've got to. You've absolutely got to. So, all right. I will uh, continue. I watched uh, The Many Saints of Newark, another new release on HBO Max. This is the uh, much ballyhooed, uh, anticipated Sopranos prequel movie starring lots of people playing Sopranos characters in their younger days. 
not their salad days, right? Salad days is old, isn't it? Or is salad days young? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's uh, focused on Alessandro Nivola's portrayal of Dickie Moltisanti. Now, if you've watched The Sopranos uh, and, you know, you're into it, you will probably know who Dickie Moltisanti is. He's Christopher's father, who is not in the show. He dies uh, prior to the show's start. And uh, this is the story of how he's a mafia guy in the 60s and 70s. I don't know. There's no real story in this movie. It's just sort of like Dickie Moltisante has this like blood feud with uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Who is playing like the, the black gangster who's starting a gang on, you know, like a black mafia type thing. And they hate each other for some reason. Uh, you know, money, whatever, turf, I don't know. And uh, Alessandro Nivola is uh, got some issues with his father, played by Ray Liotta. And then his father dies, and he goes to visit his uh, uncle, Ray Liotta's brother, also played by Ray Liotta. <laughs> in the, uh, and he goes to visit him in prison. And uh, Ray Liotta's not horrible in this. It's a. It's just a terrible like. That idea of him going to visit his uncle in prison, and then every time he visits him, he's like, "I want to do good. I want to be a good guy. I don't want to be a bad guy." And he's like, getting advice from Ray Liotta, who is like his supernatural aide at this point, and it's just like, uh, <laughs> very like written, very fakey sort of, and. Uh, not into that. Didn't like Nivola's performance in this movie. I usually like Nivola quite a bit, actually. I've liked Alessandro Nivola since he was Caster Troy in Face Off, okay? I'm a big fan of this, guys. But That's he, who that is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, but he's not good in this movie. Like, he is just not... Mm. I, I, guess he, I guess he is Italian. I don't even know. But he is not good at playing an Italian, like, gangster type. Like, he puts on this so goofy accent, and he tries to say some of the catchphrases that the Sopranos, like, that uh, Tony would say on the Sopranos. Like, like they say... Uh, motherfucker in Italian and things like this and it's like they the the way they say it on the show just sounds very genuine and the way he's saying it sounds incredibly like a like a Saturday Night Live skit or something and that's sort of the way it is for the rest of it too I mean like the actors playing these other roles it's very problematic I mean you've got these actors just doing impressions of the other actors in the show you know so like Corey Stoll who I also kind of like i don't have an issue with this guy like he's a decent actor um i've liked some stuff he's in he's, he was the villain in ant-man uh he uh <laughs> he plays junior and uh he's just doing a junior impression he's like it's like he went for as junior for halloween and it's he said like and the writing that's where the writing comes in and it's problematic again because they're just there are so many like Sopranos Easter eggs in this fucking movie. It's such so fan servicey. It's like you're watching it, and every oh, no. every five minutes there's a line verbatim from the fucking show that one of the characters so, will say, and it just makes me want to fucking puke. Like I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know? And I so this I, is I, like the creator, yeah, the creator and head writer of Sopranos. 
yeah. like wrote the Ready Player One treatment for The Sopranos. Oh, which is insane because David Chase is such a brilliant writer. Like the episodes of Sopranos that he wrote are insanely good. And they would never dip into this. Like this sort of goofy, mm. self-congratulatory just fan service nonsense but this this movie is full and he didn't ju- he didn't write this by himself um there were there was another writer Lawrence Connor on this so i'm going to blame him for most of it but uh and apparently uh David Chase signed a multi-million dollar deal with HBO uh right after this movie came out so you know hopefully there'll be better stuff on the horizon i hope i don't know i i the big do you yeah. Do you like Boardwalk Empire? Yes, very much. Okay. It's not it doesn't hold a candle to Sopranos, but it's Do you like his first movie? Yeah, I liked I liked uh, well I it's been a long shit. time since I've seen it, not fade away. I was but I liked it when I saw it. Yeah. He didn't do he, he, he didn't too. have anything to do with uh, Boardwalk Empire, by the way. Oh wait. That was what what Sopranos person did? Uh Terrence Winter. Who's the ah, uh, okay. one of the other Sorry. writers and, or one of the other uh, directors rather of um, Sopranos? He directed like forty of the episodes Sorry. or something. I I assumed there was uh, I I knew there was a connection. I assumed it was Chase. Sorry. No, that's all good. Uh, yeah, but so I mean, you know, I'm I'm hoping there'll be stuff on the horizon that's better than this. And I, honestly, I, I I hope Chase. I I after I saw Not Fade Away, I was like, well, this is you know like a good start. Maybe he can you know do something else. You know, keep going with it and. He was originally supposed to direct this movie, and then he had to drop out for whatever reason. But um, uh, the only other thing that's really worth mentioning here is uh, that uh, Michael Gandolfini is in this, who's James mm. Gandolfini's son, playing Tony, teenage Tony. And uh, this therein lies the, the largest issue of the film. Not Michael Gandolfini. He's fine. He's not amazing, but he's good enough. He's passable. He's doing a fine performance, and he certainly has mannerisms of his father's that I don't even think he's aware of. Like there's shit that he does, faces that he makes, they're insane. Like he looks just like him. Mm. The problem is that it doesn't focus Ooh. on his character. Like the and and Chase was going around almost like in a panic, <laughs> like on these press junkets, trying to tell people this is not a Tony Soprano origin story. That's not what this movie is, and. As if that was, as if that's a bad thing. This is this is the problem. It should be a Tony Soprano origin story. It would be so interesting if you focused all of that energy and said, "Okay, this movie is about how Tony becomes Tony." Because obviously, he wasn't out of the womb a, a sociopathic criminal. Like he becomes that way over time, and maybe yes, because of Dicky Moltisanti or whoever, the surrounding people, the violence around him, whatever. But this movie's not about him at all. Like he's barely in it. He doesn't show up until an so with, hour into the movie, and then he's and he's literally got like five scenes. Yeah. So without, um, you know, without knowing much about this and having mm-hmm. seen any of any of this, sure, it, it sounds like including Tony at all is just another one of those Easter eggs. Like, I mean, mm, why is he there? Well, I mean, if you're going to tell a story about, if you're going to make a prequel about Sopranos. And I mean, like all of these characters, they they talk about the past a lot in The Sopranos. Like they talk about the '70s and when he was a teenager, and there are flashbacks to when he's a little kid in the show, a few times mm. in the early seasons. And there's even a flashback at one point to when he is a teenager, and they have some other actor playing him. But um, I mean, 
I, I don't know. I, it's 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 uh, it feels like a gimmick, I guess, to have his son playing him and everything. But mm. I think it works actually. He's not the issue. Like I say, it's the act. His acting is not the issue. Tony being in the movie is not the issue. If anything, I, I'd want more Tony. I'd want less of the uh, less of the other characters. I don't need, uh, especially like characters that aren't even related to Tony, like John Magaro, who I fucking like a lot. He was in a. Um, First Cal, if you recall, he was a cookie in First Cal. He hmm. plays Silvio Dante, which I, I understand you guys don't understand what I'm talking about. Silvio Dante <laughs> is played in the show by uh, whatever his name, Little Steven from uh, Bruce Springsteen's band. Jr. You got you love Bruce Springsteen, right? The guitarist. Oh, Steven Van Huh? Steven Van Zandt. Yes, yeah, Steven Van Zandt hmm. plays uh, Silvio in the show. And John Magaro is just doing this ridiculous impression of Stephen Van Zandt, and it's just embarrassing. Like I'm, wow. Like he hasn't. It's like this. The movie takes place in like 1971. It's like you're telling me the guy didn't change in 30 years to when the show starts. He's the exact same person, just younger. It makes no hmm. sense. I just couldn't stand it. I was like, it's just ugh. And I really, like I say, I really like Magaro. I didn't. I was. I was uh, bummed out by his awful performance here, but. What are you gonna do? Anyways, uh, Mini Saints of Newark—it's passed for me. Uh, but like I say, I hope—I uh, hope that Michael Gandolfini continues to act in other things, and uh, I hope I have you know some hope for David Chase at HBO. I hope something good comes out of that. Hmm. It seems a little weird, like like if like it probably like turned in the script to the HBO people, and you know they get back to him like, hey, uh. Where's Tony? Well, I don't think that was... I mean, I don't think the issue was ever... Like, he said that he had thought about the idea of... Like, if he was going to make a, a Sopranos sequel, that it would be about the Newark riots. I mean, a prequel. Mm. That it would be about the Newark riots, which the first half of the movie is very much, like, during that time, and they show the riots mm. happening and stuff. But it's just... Uh, it's very confused. It's a very messy. Mm. Uh, and just not... It's just not good. This movie's not good. Yeah, sounds like it would have been better as a miniseries. People have been saying that. I've been hearing that a lot. Yeah, but uh, who knows? Maybe that's on the horizon. Like I was telling my buddy at work mm. that um, I mean, almost everybody in this movie are, are TV actors, so they would have no issue, you know, jumping mm. into a TV show, especially at HBO. Anyways, Jr. All right, um, you know. I need you guys to stay with me. All right. I'm right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine the plotting of Snatch. Imagine oh. the <laughs> heist movie shtick of Heat. No. Remove, no. remove I won't the sense that. of humor from both, Mm-mm. just Aww. like completely. Mm-hmm. Right? No sense of humor. And then combine them and... Add a very sociopathic, very serious, but still inexplicably like giving out weird one-liners, Jason Statham, and you have Wrath of Man. <laughs> like, was that the longest like, lead into a movie we've ever had on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, probably. Pretty long. Imagine like the most serious Jason Statham, but all of a sudden he looks at Josh Hartnett and says. You just worry about putting your asshole back in your asshole. Uh, 
I can't do a Statham voice, and I'm not going to do British, obviously. He really but, says uh, asshole and asshole even mean? like that. You just worry about putting your asshole back in your asshole. Uh, because mm. Josh Hartnett is shitting himself. Like, not literally, but he's freaking out. Uh, he's just seen someone uh, get shot, and he's freaking out. Wow. Anyway, um, as I texted you guys last night, there there are good bones to this movie. Like, this should be, like, a good, rewatchable, like, action heist flick uh, with Jason Statham just killing all kinds of people. And uh, instead, it's like Guy Ritchie has never directed a human before. It, the, the, <laughs> the acting is just so bad. And it starts, it starts with, like, a really cool shot. We've just got a, um, a camera in a locked position in the back of a cash truck. And just, we see this whole, we see like a bunch of stuff play out from that vantage point And it's really good. But the two actors driving the cash truck are so bad. It's, it's intolerable. And, uh, and then like it goes into, it's, it, this movie has like an HBO style opening credit sequence. Um, like with an animated animated type deal which is like what what's this for um and then we've got like like jason statham gets a job at this uh this money truck company and we do this whole thing where like we introduce all the characters like it's a pilot for a tv show and that was (laughs) bizarre but but once we kind of get into the (laughs) to the like the, the snatch uh jump through time thing where we we figure out you know We've we've got some um, some nonlinear storytelling here. Uh, things get better. I'll say this: the acting actually gets more tolerable once Scott Eastwood shows up, and I've never said that before. That's um, crazy wow. talk. <laughs> he's not good, I, but just he's not good. But things get better around the time that he does show up. Um, like it's it's such a bummer. He's like the the main heavy. We'll call him. Um, he becomes a more central character than than anyone would like. He's really he's really annoying. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wrath of Man is a uh, it's all it's all just wasted wasted opportunity, wasted potential. I mean, you Sweet gave this a pass. Casting with Josh Hartnett. Oh yeah, I gave it a pass. Uh, some <laughs> of the action stuff is really good. Now, when you say some of the action stuff is really good, is that JR really good, or is that like, uh, I mean, what are we talking about? Digital muzzle flash, digital blood. I mean, what, what, what are we looking at here? Oh yeah, um, a mixture of, let's say, digital muzzle flash. Yes, Ugh. mixture of squibs and digital blood. I'm out. I'm out. One hundred percent out. I'm done. Can't do it. I do like Jeffrey Donovan though. I'll tell you, that guy doesn't get enough work. I agree. He's pretty good. Uh, Holt, um, can never remember. McElhaney, yeah, not good. Oh no, uh, Josh Hartnett, not good. Oh, Eddie Marson, not good. And, and these, so like Hartnett and Marson are like cast. It's it's trick casting. It's like there's like a there's like a rat, and they're there because they're recognizable faces, and we've seen Marson play bad guys and josh hartnett's character is just kind of like a, a bitch so we want him to be bad um that kind of thing 
Let me ask wow. you this. It's really, how it's, how good is dumb. the Post Malone scene? Uh, I mean, he's got like one line. It's <laughs> that's, that's and Andy fine. Garcia. He, he basically like he basically says like suck my dick and then oh. gets shot. Uh, Andy Garcia is doing like his um. Oh god, he's doing that that uh, what's that fucking lawyer movie that I watched that I didn't like. The Sydney Lumet Runaway movie. Jury. Oh, Nate <laughs> uh, Falls on Manhattan. Yeah, he's like doing that voice. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it it might just be that I just don't understand Andy Garcia's voice <laughs> and what he's trying to do with it. Uh, but it's he he's also barely in it and and not good. When he hey, is. I don't want to call you out here, Jr. But that lead in <laughs> that lead in is suspiciously close to this review that's on the uh, letterbox page. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, the weirdest thing about Guy okay. Ritchie's Wrath of Man isn't that his new meathead heist movie tries to combine the tricksy plotting of Snatch with the ice-cold steeliness of Heat. Hey? Oh, that is close. That or is that close. the entire uh, story hinges on the protagonist buying two burritos from the wrong food truck. Is that true? <laughs> Technically, although that's definitely overstating that moment. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, I went... I went for the the best known heist movie and the Guy Ritchie movie. Sure, but sure. Um, but yeah, damn. All anyway, right. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, and also, uh, Andrew David. James, listener of the show, Andrew James uh, David has Herlich. the line "Put your asshole back in your asshole" on his review of the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a very notable notable line. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a weird one. Yeah, I tried. I tried to grade uh, papers while watching this, and I had to stop <laughs> grading. It got it got so bizarre so quickly that I was like, "Yeah, we can't. I can't read personal narratives right now." I mm. hear you, man. <laughs> Kevin. All right. Uh, I'll let's see. I'll do a couple real quick here. Um, uh, Blake and I watched this movie, Cast a Deadly Spell, which is on HBO Max, directed by one of John's favorites, Martin Campbell. Love Campbell. Uh, yeah. Uh, I saw that you were, not- I saw that you watched this and I looked at it and I was like, Martin yeah. Campbell? I was like, I never even heard of this one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so the um, So basically, it's a hard-boiled detective in the 40s, but people can use magic and... It, uh, I, I like the fact that it doesn't spend a whole lot of time, uh, like world building on, you know, like how can people use magic? Why can they use magic, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's very just, you know, a straight up like hard boiled, uh, detective, uh, film. And it's got a pretty good cast. Uh, Fred Ward plays the lead Howard Phillips Lovecraft, which is, you know, a little on the nose, but it's okay. I mean, it's a HBO TV movie from the early 90s. Um, David Warner, Clancy Brown. Good people. Uh, it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, there's some, like, there's some hardcore, like, horror elements from uh, from the magic. But uh, overall, it's it's not very good. So, three out of five on that one. But... Let me tell you what is a fantastic movie that is 100% worth your time. Uh, 
Irma Vep by Olivier Assayas. It is so fucking good. And not just because like Maggie Chung is an amazing actress, but the rest of the the rest of the cast is doing amazing work here as well. Like uh the um So it's about um this this director played by the guy who plays the lead in Four Hundred Blows, um, Jean Pierre Leud Leud, that guy. Uh, yeah. So he he brings in Maggie Chung because he wants to remake this uh, French movie, and there's a lot. There's this. It sparks this huge debate with most of the most of the film crew because they're like this woman, you know, supposedly is. Uh, like the biggest representation of Paris as a city, et cetera, et cetera. And so Maggie Chung is just trying to navigate all these people, all these French people in their bullshit, including the director. And, uh, (laughs) I thought it was really funny. Like there's a lot of scenes from a lot of different actors, um, talking about how crap, uh, American movies are. But then the, the director is just straight up like walking around with like a two liter bottle of Coke. Coca-Cola. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. America, American cinema is crap, yeah. Um, but, yes, like, it, it takes so many interesting turns, and it's very it's very much, um, like, you know, the, the film within the film stuff get, gets really intricate, and it's very well done. And there's, um, yeah, like it's, it's, you should watch it. I will. I will watch it. It's on my list. I've liked every Olivier Assayas film I've seen so far. Mm. I need to watch this and I need to watch Demon Lover and Carlos and Cold Water and. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. JR loves Cold Water. Mm. I did. Yeah. But I I like, I love most of his movies. Mm. Yeah, they've all been pretty, including this. They've all been good to great so far. Anyway, mm. um, okay. Uh, I watched uh, some. I watched the big three Universal horror movies. Um, Film Junk is going to have a Universal horror movie premium. Uh, coming up in October or in this month, I guess. So Mm. I have to watch these and they just added some of them to the Criterion channel, not Dracula and Frankenstein, which is frustrating. had to rent those, but uh, watched the mummy and Dracula and Frankenstein and uh, they got progressively better. Uh, I didn't dislike any of them, but I found that they, the Mummy and Dracula, are very, very similar films. Uh, they mm. follow the, a very similar plot. Uh, I think that Dracula is more interesting to look at. Don't ask me why. I guess I just find like the Bela Lugosi to be more. Oh, that's not really fair. I don't know. Boris Karloff is really interesting looking as the Mummy too, but. I don't know what I was expecting. They're just, they're just like, I mean, they're obviously like, there's no action in these movies. Obviously, they're not horror movies in in what we would what we consider a horror film now, 
There are no jump scares. There's they attempt to build like a like an atmosphere of dread, but they're you know it's it would be laughable if you weren't trying to take it seriously. Obviously, it's not uh, it's not succeeding in creating that dread for a modern audience, but. So then that leaves you to look at like, you know, the direction and the um the cinematography and and things like this and how the uh some of the events are staged is sort of interesting and I, I and I liked the I really liked the actor who plays Van Helsing in Dracula. Um I liked all of his scenes and all of like his scenes with Dracula where they're sort of going back and forth. His name is Edward Von Van Sloan. This guy He's actually in all three of these movies, apparently. But he, um, the scenes with him and Dracula are quite good, and they're really strange because, <laughs> like, they're just having conversations about how Dracula is a vampire, and Dracula's like, you know, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get uh, Mina, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna suck her blood, and and Van Helsing's like, well, I'm gonna be here, and I've got this wolfbane here, and it's gonna stop you, and they're just being very blatant about what's going on. Like, there's no subtext to anything. Which is kind of interesting, but uh, when I got to Frankenstein, that's where it really opened up. I liked Frankenstein more than the previous two films, and I got to give it to uh, James Whale. I think that the direction in Frankenstein is way more interesting and less um, subdued. There's more going on with the camera. There's more going on with sets. Uh, a lot of it is filmed on sets. Some of it seems to be filled out in the open, but there are like uh, scenes where they're uh, dollying the camera like through walls into other rooms and stuff it's just very like much more energetic uh than the first two films that i watched i think mm. boris Karloff's performance as franken as the monster is like really like um you know obviously again for modern audiences not scary in the least and honestly kind of goofy and ridiculous but i do like some of the the aspects of like like when he meets the little girl in the famous scene where he throws the girl into the water, you know, because he thinks he's just playing, you know. I like all that shit being in there, and that's really it's a it's it seems like uh, unusual for something that that hardcore to be in a movie this old, but you know, he murders a child. It's pretty fucked up. There's a great <laughs> yeah. scene following that where the child is uh, brought uh, back to town. The dead corpse of the child is carried into town through the streets by her father. And it's literally just this long tracking shot, tracking him walking through the streets and everybody's partying. They're having like Oktoberfest or whatever. Cause it's, you know, they're in Germany or Austria or whatever. And they all just like, they just stop and they're looking at him like, Oh my God, like what's happened. And, uh, and he's just like zombie walking through the streets with his dead, da- dead daughter in his arms. It's a really incredible shot. Actually. I really appreciated that. Mm. So, yeah, for me, Frankenstein is top of the list so far. I plan to watch Invisible Man and Bride of Frankenstein and uh, Black Cat and some of the other ones that are in the Criterion selection. Mm. I also should be noted here that after I watched The Mummy, I rewatched the 1999 Mummy, the Stephen Summers film starring mm. Brendan Fraser, and I can report it does not hold up. Uh, this is a staple of my teenage years used to watch this shit on repeat on vhs and uh it's just really like i don't even like indiana jones that much and this is like indiana mm. jones light <laughs> so mm. uh and brendan fraser is certainly no harrison ford he's actually really bad but it's kind of fun to watch him even like his line deliveries are really goofy and uh 
I do like John John Hanna, who is in this mm. as the uh, British brother of uh, Rachel Weisz's character, and Rachel Weisz is just adorable. Like she is, <laughs> she's very she's a very good looking woman. It's uh, mm. it's it's extreme in this movie. She's at top levels of cuteness in the Mummy, but uh, yeah, the Mummy doesn't work. Not not into mm. it. We'll never watch this movie again. I can say that. <laughs> oh, I do love. Um, Fuck the, uh, the guy who was in Lord of Illusions. <laughs> He's in all the Paul Thomas Anderson movies too. Uh, oh yeah, Kevin J. Kevin J. O'Connor. Mm. You know, definitely a, like a racist performance, but you know, <laughs> like yeah. he's playing. He's like he's a white guy playing a uh, an Arab or whatever he's mm. supposed to be. I don't know, Egyptian. Yeah. And uh, but his he's he plays that really well. He plays that like slimy piece of shit traitor guy really well. Yeah. So. I remember that's, it. that's um, all I've got. Okay. You remember, I remember what? Um, I I remember Invisible Man being my like far and away my favorite of any of the oh, Universal yeah. monsters. Like I just think Claude Rains in that movie is immaculate. So classic. I will yeah. definitely. That's on. I think that's the next one I need to watch uh, mm. chronologically. Even though I'm, right. I was start, I did it a little out of order because I started with the Mummy, which is thirty two. And then mm. went back to thirty one, but yeah, I will uh, definitely get to that. They're very short too. That's that's the plus mm. for all these movies. They're all less than eighty minutes. I mean, I think the Mummy is like seventy minutes long. It's ridiculous. Seventy three. Mm. I mean, you know, you can't beat that. You can. That's yeah. easy. This is an easy watch. And the guy who plays uh, Renfield in Dracula. Mm-hmm. Just so over the top, <laughs> like, and apparently I read that he got typecast as this Dwight Fry. He got typecast as like a weirdo eccentric character Aww. because he played it so like over the top and ah, master, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, yeah. So, but uh, you know, what are you gonna do? I also was was thinking about watching the um, Criterion doesn't have Dracula, the Todd Browning Dracula, but they do have the Spanish Dracula. Which was filmed the same time at night on the same sets. Wow, Jr. Have you seen this? Um, I know that the DVD I rented the first time I watched Dracula had it on there, and I'm pretty sure I tried to watch it and was just like, I just watched Dracula. I don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, uh, so I'm pretty sure I've not seen this. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess it's like the exact same. Although I say it's the exact same, but it's way longer. It's like twenty five minutes longer. Weird. Which is really bizarre. I might check it out. I don't know. It depends. But um. Anyway, uh, that's it. Like I say, that's it for me. I've got nothing else to mm. talk. I mean, except for um. You know, our deep dive and our uh, our punishment pick. Chocolat. All right, then I'll I'll do my my last one here, um, <clears throat> and I'll go quickly since uh, you know this is just a a for me movie. I did I did rent Prisoners of the Ghostland, mm. the uh, Nicolas Cage, Sion Shono Sono uh, movie. Uh, it did not come to theaters in Denver, so I got it on Amazon, and it was pretty cheap. Not one of the twenty dollar ones. It was like six ninety nine. That's not bad. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, this movie is mostly what I thought it would be, in that it's, you know, 
ridiculous and has Nicolas Cage shouting a lot and um, <clears throat> is definitely a slightly Americanized version of Sono. Uh, a lot of his eccentricities are, are toned down a little bit. It's not nearly as weird as his movies can be. Um, and the like setup of this movie, which is like a post-apocalyptic deal, is is somewhat similar to what he's done already in Tokyo Tribe, which I think is much, much better. Um, and yeah, this is, this is just a bit of silliness and I don't expect or think either of you should ever watch this. Not that we were in danger of that. Um, but yeah, kind of a, kind of an inauspicious debut, uh, English language debut for, for Sono, but I, I had some fun with, uh, several of the scenes and this like this is a, a movie that has uh Nicolas Cage wearing a suit that has several little bombs on the suit so it's like he's got a bomb right by each testicle like it's two little bombs meant hmm. to blow up each testicle one at a time and um and it's it's there in case he gets uh, horny. Nicholas Cage is not playing a good person. Uh, he's playing a criminal. He has been tasked with finding uh, this. Uh, we'll call him like overlord of this uh, dystopian world or dystopian community. Uh, finding his, I think, daughter. No, I can't remember. But anyway, it's like, and he says, like, if you touch her. Or if you are getting aroused, this thing will blow up. And this is a movie that does uh, explode one of Nick Cage's testicles. Um, if that gives you an idea of what kind of has, content we have. It here. has that going for it. Mm. Yep. It does. It, uh, you know, he's, Sono's just not going to introduce a testicle bomb and not have it go off. <laughs> Chekhov's Chekhov's nut bomb. Anyway, it yeah, it's silly, and that's uh, that's the last thing I got. Okay. Alrighty, Kevin, do you have anything else, or do you want to talk about chocolat? The chocolat's the last thing I have. All right, so we were punished. (laughs) We were punished. We had to watch chocolat because we lost Letterboxd Roulette. This is from 1988. It's directed by. Claire Denis stars a very young Isaac de Bencole and uh, some other people who I don't know. And it's about a, it says it's about a young French woman who returns to the vast sons of West Africa to contemplate her childhood days in the colonial outpost in Cameroon. But mm. I would say it's more just that childhood. I mean, that, that sort of frame narrative that's at the beginning and end is so slight. Like there's barely anything to that at all. Right. Um, it's like 95% her childhood. And, uh, she is indeed growing up at this colonial outpost full of French white people who are extremely racist and uh, Mm. (laughs) treating everyone around them. Like, uh, all the black people around them like shit. And, uh, Mm. they're, Visited by a group of, I don't even know what they are. What is this group that that lands in the plane and they can't get out? Pretty sure they're uh, like other French uh, colonial people. 
Right, but I just don't know. Like, they're not like uh, uh, you know missionaries or anything. Like, I don't know what they're doing no. exactly there. I forget, but they're there anyways, and they can't get away. So they're uh, her family is obligated to put them up for several weeks, and uh, there's tension between De Bencole and one of those fellows, one of the mm. more blatantly racist fellows in particular, and uh, yeah. This is uh, my my second Claire Denis film. I haven't seen much of her stuff. Oh, yeah, same. Only, no, third third film. Sorry, I saw oh. High Life and Beau Travai. and I liked Beau Travai quite a bit. I didn't love High Life, and uh, I, I'm not I'm not in on Chocola. Honestly, this did not work mm. for me. Just did not do it. I found myself quite bored by parts of this, and I hate to say that I was bored during a movie because feels like a very empty criticism but i mean it's just like you know my mindset at the time i don't know maybe it was the way i was watching it or like the frame of mind i was in but this is just not working for me on many levels and i really by the time i got to the end and that ending i wanted to kill myself it was so like i was like what is this ending i don't even understand this this has not earned this weird esoteric ending that is happening right now Mm. where the the luggage handlers are like smoking marijuana <laughs> like under a bridge. I was like, what have we, like, what does this have to do with anything? And I like, yeah. I want to give Denis the benefit of the doubt, but I haven't seen enough of her work to think that, you know, she just to say, you know, she just knows what she's doing and that's fine. It feels like it feel it felt like she didn't understand how to end. The she film. does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, felt like, I, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean that for this movie specifically, which I don't, really remember even though i i remember liking it right uh or rather i rated it as though i really liked it sure pretty sure i did um but she has proven over the (laughs) 30 years uh, (laughs) since then or 25 years since then that uh she knows what she's doing hey what did i say i haven't seen enough to to say that or not you know i don't know yeah i mean uh i mean based on beau trevi i'd say she's a good filmmaker i don't you know, I, I want to see other things that she's done, and I was happy to have watched this, but um, this particular one just didn't work for me, you know? I want to watch uh, a lot of her other films, actually. I have a few that are, like, burning a hole in my watch list right now. Kevin, what did you think of this movie? I mean, I don't really have uh, have a lot... a whole lot more to add than what, uh, than what you said. Like, yeah, like, it was... Just, you know, it just like go. It just goes on and on, and it's it's pretty boring. And like, uh, I did like even though uh, 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 Isaac uh, De Bancolet's character gets punished for it, which you know, whatever. Um, I I did enjoy the fact that he finally like gave that guy what for because like the that because that this is the same dude who's like. Like he, it's obviously, it's obvious that he has like absolutely nothing but contempt for all of Africa and all of Africa's people, but he's mm-hmm. like sleeping outside. He's eating with them. He's using, uh, he's using the guy's shower. Like he thinks he could just do anything and, you know, like he's a tough, you know, outback sort of guy. And like, and when, like he finally like throws them off of the the porch when they have that fight. I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. 
Yeah, that um, guy was a real piece of shit for sure. At least, yeah. but honestly, when he showed up and was acting that way, I was like, I was honestly really glad. I was like, finally, there's like a conflict, like a, like a legitimate yeah, conflict yeah. that's not that's not brewing under the surface. It's like an actual thing that's going to resolve itself in some type of physicality, probably. And because you could tell mm. they weren't gonna, you know, they're gonna have to have it out at some point. And you know, I I enjoyed that that sort of minimal. Uh, uh, whatever you call it, obvious drama, I suppose that was you know mm. in the film. Finally, instead of just having these scenes where it was like there's all this anger and tension under the surface, but yeah, you know that they they they're in a they're in a a specific relationship where they can't voice it. And I do like the idea of the mother character, like the father is away, so the mother character is alone with the daughter and Isaac de. Beca- De Bancoli, and she's you know attracted to him, and he's mm. probably attracted to her. There, I mean, she's a good-looking woman, and he's a good-looking guy, and there's like sexual tension between them, which I think is interesting mm. too. Uh, but I mean, outside of like those, there's only a few moments of that, you know, and then it's like there's yeah. just a lot of like just I don't know. It's really weird too, like that scene when uh, that scene that uh, it's really early in the film when he he makes a sandwich with ants yeah yeah <laughs> and he feeds it to the kid like that's just weird like i don't know if that's like is that like a I don't know, maybe that's a thing natives do over there i don't know but yeah it was it was it was kind of cool to watch him do it but then and i was like mm. it was weird because he actually ate some of that and you know mm. like and he's not i mean i don't i mean i don't know anything about isaac demoncoli is he like from africa i don't know but uh i, I mean he's french right <laughs> yeah i mean but uh yeah so yeah. it was a little it was just weird to he's from the uh ivory coast I oh just, he's sorry, oh, okay just had yeah. that open but um oh, bingo, I mean, as, yeah cote d'ivoire yeah but like as far as like uh as far as like movies about like racial tension uh like just like watch black girl and, oh, I, like, I have black girl is on my on my criterion challenge so i gotta get there okay yeah yeah <laughs> It's uh yeah, I'm looking I, forward yeah. to it. It's really short. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like uh, yeah, exactly. Like it, it's really short. I feel like it has like very similar themes to this. Uh but it's it's just better presented and better there's better follow through. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, this this wasn't bad and I'm pretty sure it was like Denise uh first like her debut yeah, it was film. Her f- first film yeah yep yeah so i mean you know we can kind of give her a little sure. bit of a pass on that sure but, but yeah like um i mean i agree with you i don't i didn't hate it or anything like i'm not like this movie's a piece of shit and this mm. she should be embarrassed but i think she had something to say legitimately i just don't know how much it works like it or for me it didn't work like the i i i, I, I get the point of it like i understand what she's trying to get across about colonialism and racism and Mm. specific to her own childhood and and uh the the french uh relationship with parts of africa but mm. you know i don't i just don't i mean i don't know maybe it's, maybe it's too personal maybe i just you know, I know didn't work didn't relate to it or something i don't know but i'll tell you that isaac de Bancali is a good looking son of a bitch he's just a Absolutely. statuesque <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, move on 
to okay. our deep dive, which is Odd Man Out. This is JR's pick, directed by Carol Reed. Our second Carol Reed review, right? Or did we do the third man? Did we talk about this last time? Did we do the third man on the show? Yeah, we, we well, we talked about it. Uh, you're back, like, around the time lockdown was happening, like, we were going to have a guest, and his pick was the third man. Oh, and then he, he got in, sick, right? Or he thought he was sick. I think so. Or either that or he just, like, didn't want to do it because COVID was, like, now we were starting to see how serious it was. Right, so. and he he pushed out on us. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So this is uh, so we talk. I rem- I do remember talking about the third man in, in, yeah, at yeah. length, though. Yeah. So like, we must have reviewed, like, done a decent review of it. Mm. Um, this is uh, his the film before that, before the third man, Odd Man mm. Out, starring James Mason, Robert Newton, Cyril Cusack. And F.J. McCormick, we'll say. He plays Shell. Shell's a pretty big character. Um, and it's about a uh, an IRA fighter, IRA person, a member of the Irish Republican Army, who is involved in a robbery and murders someone in self-defense and then is um, shot himself in the shoulder and is on the run. He's behind enemy lines, and the Belfast police are hot on his trail and it's about the people who try to help him and the people who are looking for him including his i guess this is his girlfriend right this woman mm. who's looking for uh, him she she wants to be his girlfriend Kathleen right. Ryan Kathleen uh, Ryan eh i love mm. Kathleen uh, Ryan looking uh, yeah, for Jarrah's cousin and through Oh yeah. yeah, right. Uh, a, a, a long great aunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what the, the, uh, the listening audience doesn't know my last name. I'm just R. That's true. He's just mm, R. J. R. Right. The the R hassle. Mm. We'll have to edit this out, or else he's going to get a bunch of. Uh, oh, no. You know. Oh yeah. It's right. The people can, the people can know. I have two <laughs> first names. My last name is Ryan. <laughs> um. Well, so yeah, this is a this is a movie. Like, if you look up the uh, the poster for this on Google, not on Letterbox because uh, Letterbox uh, edits out extra words usually. Um, so it's just like the title and never whatever the image was on the the poster. Mm-hmm. But if you look up a uh, like an old one sheet for this, a lot of them say like the most exciting film ever made, and um, the most exciting this is so clearly ever made. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, so clearly not that. Um, and also <laughs> not supposed to be that. Like, you know, this the, the plot setup you gave is like, that's it. It's the only plot. He's going, uh, I mean, for, for half the movie, he's in one location and people are looking for him and people are coming across James Mason. Uh, the second half, he is more on the move and uh, through you know, him kind of stumbling about, we just kind of meet members of this community. And, and I think the point of this movie is to, to create a, a sense of community, um, kind of around, you know, like what's going on with, uh, the organization as it's constantly called, never named the IRA. Mm. Um, 
but you know, like these people who kind of like live with the knowledge that like stuff is going on, even though like they don't want to be part of the violence, they don't want that in their lives. Uh, and some people clearly make the choice to have it in their lives. Some people make the choice to call cops when they see things. Some people make the choice to just like help as quickly and as quietly as possible and then move on like William Hartnell, uh, at the bar, which like, by the way, can we get some bars that look like that pub? Um, it's <laughs> like beautiful ornate walls. Like the, the booths of the bar have little, little doors. Oh man. I was, yeah, that was really weird. I eh? wanted to go. I, I like wanted a, to go to that um, bar. Doesn't it feel like that? That's like an invention for the film, so that they could get him hidden in that in that bar. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably. But if if they only showed us like his one booth, I'd say so. It, right. it, it may it, you're probably you probably are right. But I I do like that we see other people in their little private booths and like other yeah. people standing up and looking into other booths. I mean, I'm half uh, kidding. Like, I th- I think it's probably the bar is probably just a location that really existed, but like the, it is just bizarre. Like it's such a weird choice to like have a private, like half room that you can sit in and drink. I don't know. I've never mm. seen that before. Yeah. Um, there's so, yeah, I, I chose this cause I, this, this is probably an early noir for me. Um, and it's, it's structure is just bizarre. I mean, James Mason, uh, according to Wikipedia and other reviews, James Mason was just like a massive, massive movie star in Great Britain already, uh, when this is made and it just like, they just shoot him and he's just stumbling around laying unconscious for much of the movie. Uh, it just seems really bold and, uh, for whatever reason, the first time I saw this, I I was blown away by the structure and just kind of the the community ensemble uh, of it all. Even though there there are things that I I don't especially love, uh, but I'll let you. Uh, I'm curious what you guys thought of this, Kevin. <laughs> um. I, I tell you, I really wanted to like wring Cyril Cusack's neck because it's like, <laughs> like if that guy had just slowed down when he was when they <laughs> asked him to, like none of oh, this would have yeah. happened. Uh, but yeah, and like, <laughs> like his character is such a turd. Like, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I didn't dislike this movie, but. I, for me, I, I didn't. For me, there just wasn't enough there. Uh, like by by the time we by the time we got around to the when like um, Kathleen is talking about offing herself to the priest, it's like, all right. Uh, when when we gonna <laughs> yeah. when we gonna wrap this up? <laughs> you know, and you. You you've stumbled on, onto my my issue. I think mm. most of the Kathleen stuff doesn't really work, and uh, this is a very written movie with mm. uh, I, I would say like a a pretty. It, it's not a tight script in that it's short. It's obviously not short at all, but it's a tight script in that it's constantly like it's 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 using like the it's doing callbacks to itself. Like it's introducing something and making sure that that thing pays off. Mm. Uh, it int- like we get the seemingly like random, you know, 
shot sip of whiskey as he's leaving the uh, the house of those two women who who help him when they think that he's been hit by a carriage cab. Uh, you know, the man wants him out because the man knows who James Mason is and mm. gives him that uh, that whiskey to warm him up. And it's like, that's not just a nice gesture. That is a plot point. That is why the next cab driver thinks that he's wasted because he can smell the whiskey on him. And uh, a lot of the Kathleen stuff is there just to like set up the, the very end. What happens to like the, you know, when they get shot. Mm. And that doesn't make Kathleen Ryan a very good character to me. And I'm, I keep calling her Kathleen Ryan. Her name, oh, her name is Kathleen <laughs> in the movie too. God damn it. Uh, mm. Kathleen Ryan plays Kathleen Sullivan. That's ridiculous. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just, and yeah, it her like her longing for him, her love for him, this hardened criminal who's just been sprung from jail and has just shot a guy at a, a fucking uh, bank robbery. Or whatever that was place was. I don't think it was a bank. It was some, a uh, some factory, a some kind of factory. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. That her stuff just does not make sense to me, and it's a problem. I would say uh, he. You know, I I agree with uh, her. Like her love for him is not very much explained, but um. That he, I would, you know, he's very much a sympathetic character, though, and they, they go out of their way to make him sympathetic by, like, mm. I mean, if, beyond the fact that he's injured the entire film, right? Which, like, immediately you're like, oh man, this poor guy, like, we don't want him to get caught, like, he's he's the underdog, sort of. But then there's also like the like every time uh, when he gets after he gets shot, uh, he keeps asking everybody if he if that guy is dead that he that he shot, mm. like he's worried about if yeah. he's killed someone or not. Which Did I actually killed really, that man. Did yeah, I, I actually that really, yeah. I re- actually really like that. I liked uh, mm. how he was worried about whether or not he had killed the guy. Right. But um, I, but like, I, I, yeah. I think it's, a, I, I think it is a, a, a script point to make him sympathetic. Mm. And, and yeah, and I, I didn't mean, I did mean like Kathleen's love makes no sense because he's such a bad person. It, it's more like, well, it's just not, it's not fleshed it, out very well. I mean. You don't know yeah, these characters. It's, it's when like the movie she, starts, they're like in the middle of it, right? I mean, so it's... And if she feels so like strongly about like his beliefs and that he's like the leader of this political uh, faction, um, that's fine. But the, you know, like the opening scroll of the movie and other parts of the movie just like go really... It just makes it clear. Like Carol Reed's like, no, this isn't political. Swear, swear to God. <laughs> swear to yeah. god nothing political to see here yeah don't investigate it's almost like that maybe somebody couldn't commit to uh what this needed to be for the kathleen thing to work mm. yeah because i think like like of everything else it's like the least fleshed out thing in the script so it's like um and like i i gotta imagine too like you know like uh people I think people tend to forget like how hardcore uh, censorship uh, was, especially back in like, you know, the early days of film, like, you know, you know, the Hayes code and like, uh, especially like European countries, uh, very, very much, uh, very restrictive in the content that they were willing to let be shown. 
like like even um even Cronenberg was talking about um how bad Canada was in like the late seventies. Like like if you if you try to like put things back into your movie, like you could go to jail and your movie could be destroyed. Like this is Canada in the late seventies. So like yeah, it's like and of course like a movie that's being made in England, like they're not gonna do like they may like sort of give a a sympathetic ear to the the people who are like being harmed by the violence in North Ireland, but in no way are they gonna condone anyone who is a member of the IRA or the organization. So Yes, yeah. yeah, so I'm sure Carol Reed like had to put some kind of thing in there to be like no it's you know it's it's not political it's it's the evil that men do in their hearts <laughs> right. what um tell me this okay she goes to see the priest the priest is talking to shell shell has a bird cage on his lap she comes in she starts talking to shell about the bird and he's talking in code to her about Johnny, but saying it's the bird, like the bird has his left wing injured and he's in a corner. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. Like they're talking in code. So the priest doesn't know, but then like the priest knows exactly what they're talking about. Why the fuck are they talking in code? Can you explain I, this to me? Like, I don't get it at no, all. I do not understand that. I can't totally explain it to you. Uh, especially since they were clearly going to the priest because they considered him trustworthy. Right. Like, they they were not worried about the priest talking to, to the cops or telling the cops anything. So, it's it that almost just feels like a, like a character eccentricity. You know, he's mm. just, he speaks in like mm. the, the bird metaphor. Because later on he does I, it again, but it's with someone, it's like in front of someone who doesn't, who's not supposed to know. So it makes more sense. Yeah. At the bar. Right. Um, that, that does make more sense at the bar. And he, he is an eccentric. He, he's a, a guy with no money, uh, who seems to annoy everyone, mm. um, so this might just be how he talks in a really annoying way. Although I, I liked, I enjoyed the way he's, he talked. You love this guy. I, uh, on I the, do. I, I, he's, I, he's really annoying, but I love him. I watched this on the criterion channel and, uh, I clicked on the first link whenever I typed it in. And, the apparently I started accidentally watching the, uh, suspense radio program where they do a radio play version with James Mason. <laughs> And I watched oh, wow. like the first five minutes of it, thought, thinking it was just frozen or something. I was like, "What is going on? Like what?" And it starts off with this long. It says like, "This program is brought to you by Autolite," <laughs> and it's like, and it's like this goofy '40s like radio commercial. And I was like, "This is weird." Are they like? And he's like, "He's like James Mason, the fantastic James Mason, and the thrilling Odd Man Out." And I was like. Is this like just like a weird introduction for the film? Because like I was thinking, I just watched Frankenstein, and they have a guy come out on a stage at the beginning of Frankenstein and tell the audience, "This movie is terrifying. Like you're not gonna be ready for it. You better leave if you can't handle it." Like that kind of thing. And I was like, "Are they doing like a little intro mm. for this movie?" But I was just watching the uh, the the wrong thing. 
So I just thought I'd mention uh, yeah. that. Yeah, I liked the uh, I liked the girl on one roller skate at the beginning of the film who had seen uh, she saw him when he was in that cell, whatever that thing right. is that he was in. Uh, I do not actually. I was I was saying I'm, I'm I'm torn on the weird like acid flashbacks that he's having, like the mm. weird like uh, like he sees the guard come in through the thing he mistakes the girl for the guard actually and like hallucinates that the guards that he's talking to the guard and he had a dream or whatever and then like later yeah. on when he spills the beer and he sees like faces and all the bubbles of the beer i don't know i don't know if that's amazing or like horrible i feel like it's innovative i don't mm. know you know how many times they had done and not just because of the special effect involved but uh, with the beer but just like the idea of the main character or a character in, in general, like hallucinating like that. I don't know, mm. you know, who had done that before necessarily. But so like yeah. I respect it on that level. But I don't know if I, I don't know if how well it works for me in the film. Yeah. Like I, I liked a lot more the um, when he's like first leaving the house and he's like, like the sun is too bright. And like when they're driving along, he's like obviously like feeling kind of nauseous because he's hasn't hasn't left uh that safe house in like six months or whatever it was mm. um i like that bit of uh direction but uh yeah i don't know about the um i mean i, I guess that kind of makes sense because he's losing a lot of blood and he's very tired and sure know, i mean yeah it makes uh, sense plot but yeah, but yeah, wise um, like it's believable yeah. i just i don't know uh, you know some of the i mean the 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 acting in this film is very of its time. Like it's not, I'm not impressed with any of the acting in this film really. Uh, and I mean, that sounds like really like dickish to say, cause it feels like, like I, who am I that you should impress me? But it's like, it's just not a, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't like, wow, look, James Mason's so fucking good in this movie. Like he's fine. Everybody's sort of doing their job, but it's very like 1947 level. Which I would have, you know, if I'd seen this two or three years ago, I might have said that's that's what it is. Like you can't do better than that, you know. But you know, then I then I think about um, Notorious and how good the performances are in that, or you mm. know, other like uh, Oxbow Incident or something. I and mean, there's there's a different sort of style of performance going on in, in other films, and uh, this this yeah. film, and this film also features a lot of like side characters who I don't know that. I care about at all. Like I wanted to be focused on James Mason. Like I wanted to watch Johnny on the run and he's not really like, it's like what JR said at the beginning. He's not on the run. He's like in a room for like an hour and then mm. he's at the bar and then he goes to that yeah, painter's shack or he's, whatever. He's, he's unconscious and dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's definitely not like, I really thought it's hard to I, run. I, I was expecting this to be like the end of the third man for an entire movie. And I was like, that's going to be interesting. Because if that's the case, that this this movie is like the most influential movie of all time because it inspired all the other Chase films that came after it, which it may or may, may have anyway. But it's definitely got like it's very low low energy. You know, there is not mm. there is there it's there is no chase in this movie really. It's just yeah. the I mean he's hiding and they're looking for him. There's no you know it's so it's so low energy. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I don't say that as a negative, but it's so low energy that like when when Kathleen goes into the dance hall to to shake the uh, her tail, yeah, um, the cop tailing her. Oh right. And 
we just have such a bright, loud dance hall for like five seconds. Mm. It was like a shock to the senses. It's yeah, funny like, you Whoa. said she goes to the it's dance like there, hall. There are people having fun. <laughs> you, she goes to the dance hall to shake her tail. Yeah. Oh. Like to shake her ass. Yeah, whoops. Like yeah. Dance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. A little bit of a. So, uh, I should have said to lose her tail. Right, sure. Uh, mm. <laughs> or just, yeah. Get rid of the guy following her. There's yeah, just not enough not chase, though. I wish there was more chasing. I really do. I, I wanted it to be a chase film. I mean, I know that that's not, you know, uh, the kind of. I mean, what I it was? Know. I mean, I was, it's it's easy to say this is not what this movie is, but it's like, it. I feel like it should have been. Like, it would have been very exciting. Again, it's it's like mm. this, it's this weird community ensemble drama that yeah. is uh, nestled in the plot synopsis of a noir movie mm. a chase noir movie I, it's uh, a it's it's almost a bait and switch it, it well no it definitely is it's definitely like a bait and switch oh like yeah, it, based on that poster think it's gonna be this sure. mm. yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't upset me but you know that I'm doesn't upset me i i didn't know i mean, didn't have taste and stuff. i assumed i mean when they say it's you know uh, the the tagline on the letterbox page an adventure in unbearable suspense i didn't expect it to be like you know that suspenseful I, but and i think there is there are some moments of genuine suspense i like when he climbs into the um the back of the uh the carriage and the guy and the cop sees him like through the window and he says who's you got who do you, who's in there and he says johnny and he's like, oh yeah, he thinks yeah. he's joking. Like that's not bad. I like, I kind of like that. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's just yeah. There's just there's just weird moments like when there's that old lady who hides that gun for uh, for Kathleen, mm. you know, and yeah. then she just has like this weird like soliloquy after that after the police leave where she just talks for a really long time and I kind of <laughs> zoned out. I don't even know what she was talking about. I was like, what mm. what do we what do we care what this lady has to say? get back to Mason on the run, you know? Mm. And then at the end, that God awful artist painter guy, I, I wanted to, Lukey. I wanted to hang myself. That guy was the worst. <laughs> like Lukey. So bad. I, yeah, I've got questions about Lukey. Uh, and more importantly, I have questions about Lukey and shells relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I need to know what's going on there. Like, mm. <laughs> They live in like the same, like they're both squatting in the same building, basically. Uh, it's just, it's weird how like Lukey is, is very demanding of Shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, it's bizarre. And then like that, that fight at the bar was, was wild. The fight was okay. It was a little, a little like comedic, but like his, just his like weird, like I don't believe his motivation at all. It's just totally ridiculous. Like this stupid, pretentious. Like I need to paint him because his eyes are gonna be different than all the other eyes because he's dying and I've only painted living people. It's just so like, what? Like what? Who is this person? Like, <laughs> like why is that? That character does not belong in this movie at all. Like it just makes no sense. Like when he showed up, I was just totally confused. I was like. What is this person doing? Like he's so his dialogue is so corny. His performance is like over the top and goofy. I don't believe his motives at all. Like this is laughable. I couldn't stand that well, character. I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely read him as like uh you know, town drunk but also like has totally lost his mind kind of person. Mm. 
Hmm. Um, I, the, I, I felt like he was very like tolerated because they feel sorry for him and don't know what to do with him like at the bar sure i got that yeah definitely tall yeah i I, yeah the uh head uh detective who's looking for him the inspector i guess it's this guy dennis o'day is that him he looks just like mark rylance did you guys get that he looks exactly like mark rylance even his picture on letterbox a little bit looks like mark but in this movie it's uncanny like mark rylance should play that character when mm. Steven Spielberg inevitably remakes this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's couldn't you see Spielberg remaking Odd Man Out? Like it's <laughs> it just feels like he would he would jump at the chance. I liked the score a lot. I think the score is the best thing about the movie. Um really appropriate uh appropriately downbeat at times. Never doesn't ever shift tones or anything it's always sort of ominous this guy William Alwyn did it who also did A Night to Remember which you know that movie rules so um and it's definitely more appropriate to this material than the third man's zither score yeah which I did not like hmm I mean, I like the music all right, but I don't think it's a good score. I also would say that, I mean, I I mean, you know, I hate to compare it constantly to The Third Man, but I mean, these are like his two big films, right? Mm. And uh, the cinematography is not nearly as impressive, although, you know, I watched it streaming on Criterion Channel. I don't know. Maybe the print's not as good. And uh, there's no uh, one I, there's no one as nearly uh, uh, charismatic or as interesting as uh, as Wells or Trevor Howard in this mm. movie. To me, anyway, I you know, Wells, yeah, you you want to watch everything Wells is doing, fair. and Trevor Howard's fantastic, and uh, the Third Man. So mm, that's fair. That's I I'll, I'll definitely look. I'm not not many things look like as good as the Third Man, so I'm not gonna push back too hard. But <laughs> uh, I I do think Carol Reed was was definitely honing his uh, his sense of. Um, or honing his skill of shooting alleys and tunnels in this movie. There, I thought there were plenty of good alleys and tunnels mm. and and dark rooms. Um, I was happy with the way it looked. Has the same cinematographer also as Third Man, mm. Krasker, Robert Krasker. He also shot Senso. It's another Criterion. Lucino Wait, I mean, like official, official god of cinema, Krasker. Krasker, I suppose so, man. I, I, mm. he also shot a brief encounter, the David Lean film, and um. And also Lawrence Olivier's Henry V, which I have yet to see, but I really want I to. Mean, Actually, he, this is on HBO Max. I should watch this. Like his his first eight movies look really good. Yeah. Like even even though the <laughs> the Anthony Mann epics, uh, El Cid and the Fall of the Roman Empire, which mm. are color. Uh, you know those like mm-hmm. swords and sandals epics. Uh, those also look very good. Well, I will have to watch more of Krasker's work. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Seems like a real hero. Uh, oh, my, so yeah, I, that's. Hero. I just. I am. Uh, I am out of notes for Odd Man Out. Mm. Ratings. Yeah, I'm ready. 
All right, I'll uh, I'll go. I'm keeping my rating. This is uh, maybe I'm being nice, and the whole Kathleen thing that I didn't like should matter more. But I I like this movie too much. It's four and a half. Mm. Uh, three. Well, you. Oh yeah. Okay, three. Yeah, you are being nice, Jr. Because uh, like most of your Criterionitis uh, classic Hollywood <laughs> BS that you make us watch, uh, this right. just didn't work for me. <laughs> Look, just kidding. It's this, not. It's this not, is a recent addition to the Criterion Collection, okay? Okay, relax. <laughs> uh, that's... that's uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to give it a two and a half. Uh, you know, Sorry. And Dirty. uh Dirty. I wish I could go higher on it, but I just can't. I just was not a big fan of this movie. Anyway, uh let's do our I mean it's a completely foregone conclusion, but let's do letterbox mm. roulette, I guess. No. Okay. I, now I'm happy for you guys to get what you deserve. <laughs> So uh, we've got six actors here. James Mason, Robert Newton, Cyril Cusack, F.J. McCormick, Kathleen Ryan, William Hartnell. The first doctor. Mm. Those are our six actors. And uh, we're going to roll a dice to see which of those actors' filmographies we're going to look at. So here is the dice app. I've got it open. Clicky. Mm -hmm. It's... (laughs) It's always one. It always rolls to one. I don't understand it. Mm. It's fine. It doesn't matter. James, it could be anybody. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, It's going to be the same no matter what because Kevin and I are going to lose. Well, you know, maybe you guys should have fucking seen Cross of Iron earlier than this. I know, right? And I also should have watched 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Hey, I've seen that. Is that the Disney film? (laughs) Yeah. With Kirk yeah, Douglas. I've seen this. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm marking it. I've seen that. I watched that when I was a kid. Oh, okay. So that <laughs> brings me up one. <laughs> Fuck you, Jr. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> I also have I'm a sure. Yeah. Uh, oh no, that's in the wrong. Star is born. I want to see the original Star is born. Mm. William Wallman. Um, and I also used to own Julius Caesar on DVD for a long time. Never got around to watching it. The Brando Caesar. Mm. Yeah. Is Fuck. he in the Brando one? Oh, yeah, yeah apparently. Um, yeah. You um, should also want to see both Star is Borns. I don't want to see this Judy Garland thing at all, actually. That's ridiculous. It's <laughs> incredible. I know you love it, I guess. All right, I don't adding, know. adding that to the deep dive list. <laughs> that's just not, I mean, just not how this works. You know I'll watch it if it's on the deep dive list, but... Uh, mm. All right. Um, well, my number is uh, not as low as I would have thought. I've seen five James Mason films. I've seen more than you it's have? Disgusting. Of course. Wow. Oh, yeah. You probably haven't seen North by Northwest or Salem's I, Lot. I haven't seen Salem's Lot. I haven't seen Lolita, believe you, it or not. Oh, wow. Holy Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he said. You guys, I love you guys Kubrick. haven't seen Heaven Can Wait? No. God no. no, I I uh I prefer the Chris Rock version That's Down great. to Earth. Mm. It's funny. I'm just <laughs> I haven't seen that either. I, sorry, that was like a that got rented before a road trip. We had a minivan that had a VCR. Yeah. Uh, 
in it and we just we watched that movie like three times on the same road trip just ouch it was not good but that is gross Mm. that is really gross um what's your number well oh sorry i I won Uh, it's 27 (laughs) wow sorry i won a man so yeah. well, you know, this game. guys, maybe, maybe catch up with some classics like uh, Mandingo, Mandingo and uh, <laughs> Age of Consent, two really creepy movies, and you'll you'll feel like a winner too. My yeah. dad used to talk about Mandingo all the time when I was younger. He used to be like, mm. "You saw this movie called Mandingo," and he would tell me all about it. And then it's uh, problematic. It's the way that I understood what was going on in, uh, or or understood that it, what the what Tarantino was referencing in Django. Whenever they oh, have the right. the Mandingo fight, <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh shit! And I just realized you were you just got to five because you saw Child's Play pretty recently. Ch- is Child's right? Play on? Is it a James Mason movie? <laughs> I don't even remember him in it. Is yeah. he in that? Jesus what? Christ. He's- He's what? He's the guy that they're Dude, terrorizing. That movie like, is completely gone teacher. from my mind. Like I do not remember that movie at all. <laughs> God, I mean, it wasn't even good. <laughs> no, it wasn't good at all. I just like can't believe you would. Oh, yeah, Child's Play. Yeah, <sighs> just I actually just got to five just throw, now, throw Jr. Because out. I had to add twenty thousand okay. leagues under the sea, so I was at four. <laughs> and I, just, I wouldn't. I just think. Bo Bridges deserves your memory. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him being in it. I'll tell you this: I uh, I would never have watched Boys from Brazil had Kevin not picked it as a deep dive. So then I would be even lower. Mm. You know, well, not that it, not that I you know like no in, I just would not have like it's not wasn't on even. It, it would have just been really. the it, right. It just would have been the verdict. But I love Gregory Peck now, so I have to see everything. You know, yeah. after Yellow Sky, you've got to see every Gregory Peck film. He's the man. Mm. Letterbox Roulette list is called Crossing Cannons. It's by Jr. It's on his Letterbox account. It's got thirty five hundred and seventy one films on it, and the number from one to three thousand five hundred seventy one that we're going to have to watch, Kevin, for mm-hmm. next time is three thousand three hundred and sixteen. <gasps> Thirty three. We're going 16. to the end. Yeah, going to the end. Mm. Thirty-three, sixteen. It's gonna be on like. Never been this deep. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Okay. Oh boy, it's a movie called Sunny Side. It's a Charlie Chaplin film. Hey, it's only thirty minutes long. Hey, all Uh, right. And it's directed by Charlie Chaplin, starring Charlie Chaplin and Edna Purviance, and uh, it's a Chaplin short. I don't know if they would even call this a short back then, though. I mean, I don't know if they distinguished between shorts and features in 1919. Mm. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's you know what I mean? It's like, I know they had like four hour epics in 1990, but I'm just saying, like, it's like they, they called them, yeah. like they one, usually refer one reelers to them or something? by their, yeah, number of reels, I think. right? Mm. So, it's apparently on HBO Max and Criterion, perfect, perfect. Awesome. And, uh, I have watched. Uh, quite a few chaplains this year already, so this will just be another chaplain mm-hmm. to add to my list. And actually, I'll, Jr. Uh, Jr. hasn't seen this, this so right. I I will be watching it because I have not seen it, and I won't let you gain an inch 
on my count for Chaplin. <laughs> what is your count for Chaplin, director? Uh, I for d- director probably not small. Forty three. Forty three. He's got he's got eight hundred of these. You are out of movies, fucking you know? control. Forty three. <laughs> No, yeah, I used no, to have right. a, uh, I should I should watch more of these like really short ones to get my juice my numbers, you know. Yeah, yeah. do do no, like I, I used did to with, have my, a, uh, with my reading challenge. Just every yeah. every every book you read to Amelia, count it. <laughs> count it. I can't do that. That's terrible. <laughs> That's a horrible Sarah, thing. Sarah once gave me a two disc uh set of Chaplin movies that had like almost thirty movies on it. Wow. And just, you know. Watching that over a long time is how I juiced those numbers. Mm. I feel like I've seen more Chaplin than I'm like listed, though. It's really weird. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah. So we'll be watching uh, Sun Sunny Side, and next time it's going to be Kevin's pick. Kevin. Yep. What's so- your pick, bud? So we are going to watch Memories from oh. 1995, uh, anthology film with uh, Koji Moromoto, Katsuhiro Otomo, and Tensai Okamura. Didn't you just watch this? Like almost a year ago. Okay. Yeah, right. I, I, I want to see this. I'm, I'm happy. Cool. It's on my watch list already. I could have sworn that one of these was um, was our boy. Uh, Satoshi the guy Khan, who did Satoshi Khan wrote yeah. the uh, he wrote the first ah, segment. Wrote it. Okay, gotcha. Satoshi Khan. Oh, did I rewatched um, Paprika recently? Mm. Uh, yeah, and didn't talk about it, but uh, I just am enamored with Paprika. I loved it. I, I loved it more than I used to love it. Yeah, I mean, Sato- really? Satoshi Khan. Yeah. That guy. That fucking guy. Yeah. I still haven't seen Millennium Actress or Paprika or Tokyo. Well, he I guess he just wrote Tokyo Godfathers, right? He directed, directed it. That too. I haven't seen yeah. that either. And I never finished Paranoia Agent. Oh. I, I'm like, I only have like four episodes left, too. I really should finish it. <laughs> but uh, I got I to gotta find that. I got to watch that. Mm-hmm. Buy it on iTunes for twenty five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you probably nope. you find it illegally somewhere, Jr. Um, it's probably on YouTube. That is a, oh no no no! Don't watch it on YouTube. The, the quality is atrocious. Ugh. Okay. It's brutal. Right. Every episode is on there, no. but it's nasty looking. Oh. Um. So yeah, that's that's our show. Yep. Episode one thirteen is in the books. Until next time, you can visit our website at filmyakpodcast.com. You can write to us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram. You can like and subscribe on the uh, Apple Podcasts app, which I kept calling iTunes until now, but it's apparently it's been changed. It's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or uh, uh, one of those other podcast apps <laughs> that are escaping me right now, but they have names. You can, uh, yeah. Find us there. Keep listening. And uh, thank you for listening. Until next time. Goodbye. Your strong heart won't break. Are you ready to take? 
Hey, less less of a shit show than we thought it would be.